365 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, the drama of Scripture, and our usually erudite biblical scholar, Matthew Kresge, made a critical <laughs> error on yesterday's podcast, and we had no idea how to rescue him, but we have called him to repentance, and he does oh, have man. a confession to make yeah. in front of you all right now. So before we even pray, I think it's good I to know. get this confession yeah, out I in the open. Ziba, she instead of a he. Yeah. As soon as we got done recording, I said, oh, no, I called Ziba a she. <laughs> And uh, uh, we, we, we do try for gender correctness here, but uh, that was a little too far <laughs> in, in, in that issue. So um, we, come to, um, we come to the low point in, in uh, David's life and ministries. We come to Second Samuel you know, chapter 11. But Shebetheth was a high point as he continues. So he fulfills his, his covenant you know, to Jonathan, but even honors his enemy and looking for someone from the house of Saul to whom he may show God's kindness, and what a beautiful picture of uh, the kindness of our Lord, uh, which Paul tells us was meant to lead us you know, to repentance. And so you see a picture of that. Uh, you've seen the consolidation of, uh, you know, of Israel under David and under his power and his rule. I'm Paul Kemp, by the way, here with Katie Kresge, David Keefe, and you've already heard the confession of Matt Kresge, and those are rare and hard to come by, so we feel very honored uh, today. <laughs> so Matt, since you have a pure heart before the Lord at this moment, uh, before we read, why don't you lead us in a pray word of prayer? Lord, give Katie a clean heart. Yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are a God of grace, a God who does um, give clean hearts. Father, we do confess to you. Um, uh, the things that we've done and things we've left undone, the things that, uh, Father, we often hold on to in, in spite of you or um, cling to as opposed to you. And so, Father, would you, um, in your grace, uh, help us to see Jesus, help us to um, to loosen our, our grip um, on the things of this earth and, and focus our hearts and our minds on you. Um, Father, we thank you that you're a God who reveals yourself. Um, speak to us in this time. Um, Father, help us to um, to be transformed as we uh, meditate on your word together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Samuel 11. In the spring of the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace from a roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told, David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, Haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. 
And then David said to him, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah, Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting men fighting is fierce. Then withdraw from him so he'll be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Joab sent David a full account of the battle, instructed the messenger, when you have finished giving the king this account of the battle, the king's anger may flare up, and he may ask you, when did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you know there would, they would shoot arrows from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, son of Jerobesheth? Didn't a woman drop an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you get so close to the wall? If he asks this, then say to him, Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. The messenger set out, and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had sent him to say. The messenger said to David, The men overpowered us and came out against us in the open, but we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. Then the archers shot arrows at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's men died. Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. David told the messenger, say this to Joab. Don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. And what an understatement. How incredible you know this is and how uh, more complicit the sin gets you know, in every step that he takes. And every step that he takes is, is, a, is a really evil sin as he continues to cover up. And of course, later in the Psalms, he said, when I tried to hide my sins, my bones wasted away in me. And as dramatic as the sin is, you also see dramatic penance in the Psalms mm-hmm. in or from David, which would be the difference you know, between David and Saul. David, David's sin is actually you know, greater in many ways than Saul's sin, but his repentance is also uh, greater. So you read this passage, there's a lot of you know, shocking you know, things you know, that you see uh, in the middle of it. Uh, the fact that David didn't go to war the way kings yeah. should. Mm-hmm. In other words, God is giving him this wonderful gift of rest. And he's taken that gift of rest for granted, mm-hmm. and he's become very self-indulgent. And, of course, this is the height of his entitlement and the height of his self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. And in contrast to that, you see you know, Uriah in verses 31, and or verses 11, I mean, sorry, you know, he, he's there, and he's like, man, I... My men are camped out in the open field. Like, there's no way I'm just going to go eat and drink and seek after rest. I, I'm I'm here to serve, and I'm not going to go home until then. And so, and just and then he's the one that obviously dies at the end at the command of David as he goes back to war. And so Uriah is really a more righteous man uh, in drunkenness uh, in this particular instance than David is when he's sober. Yeah, I just I feel the. Um, the contrast, like David said, of um, just the proximity that Dave, that King David 
um, has with his people, with his warriors who are fighting um, versus the proximity of Uriah um, with his with his soldiers that he's not even necessarily the leader of, but, um, and that proximity really matters. And so I think like our first hint of what this passage is going to hold for David is that, um, but David remained in Jerusalem, that there's no proximity there. He is separated from the action of his people and that self-indulgence, what that, what that, um, quote rest, cause it's really, it's more what the rest has led him to be able to do in his sin, right? Like so often we can easily have time to ourselves and we can easily turn that time into a time of selfishness um, where our sin kind of comes out and plays. No, no, a lot of times when we find ourselves in the middle of trials, we are desperate. We do cling to God. And a lot of times when we find ourselves in good times and in rest, uh, rather than appropriately uh, you know, turning rest into worship, uh, we take it for granted, and we do, you know, and, and do exactly what David does. You know, turn it into an occasion for self-indulgence. You, you'll later learn of Uriah. He was one of the men who had accompanied David through all of his his, mm-hmm. his wilderness battles, and he was one of the mighty men, you know, of of David. And of course, the very fact that David could walk out on his in his palace and see Uriah's house in proximity. I meant that uh, Uriah did have a prominent place of leadership sure. within the community. He had one of the uh, nice downtown uh, Jerusalem condos. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Close to the palace. Yeah. yeah. So was it sinful for, I mean, obviously it was sinful for David to sleep with Bathsheba when she was married to another man. But was it even on top of that that she was cleansing from her monthly uncleanness, like was Boy, did we really go there? I was hoping we could read right oh, through that whole thing. I was just I wondering. Really she again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I was just wondering the purpose yeah. of his inclusion. No, 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 of that. no. She, you know, she, she was, she was cleansed. Mm-hmm. So you know, no, there, there's, you know, no real, you know, sin there. there there's just kind of an irony, mm-hmm. you know, that she is going through a purity ritual, mm-hmm. and and David is everything, you know, everything, you know, but. You know, but pure. Uh, so you know, a lot of times, you know, we read this and we try to put a little, you know, blame on her. You know, why are you on top of the roof? Those are great questions. Uh, the, you know, the scripture didn't really address that. Uh, David was obviously in a power position, and she was obviously mm-hmm. powerless. You know, to yeah. respond, you know, to him, uh, you know, in in any meaningful, uh, any meaningful way. He had his attendants grab her and bring her to him, and then and it's kind of a. You know, a very ugly, ugly mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I really make of that is just a juxtaposition. Yeah. She is, she is doing what the Lord has required by going through a purity ritual, and, and David is everything but you know pure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in I've moment. heard so many pastors try to blame this scene on Bathsheba or say she contributed to it. And, and when you read the encounter, it's I mean, David. It's not just David and Bathsheba here. It's then he goes and he tries to use Uriah, you know, and he realizes that Uriah is more than righteous than him. So then he uses Joab to put Uriah to death. And at the mm-hmm. end, you don't get a comment that the Lord is displeased with Bathsheba or displeased with Uriah, or it's the Lord's displeased with David. And and Scripture doesn't always, you know, like Katie asked that question a couple of days ago. Did it please the Lord? Did it not please the Lord? Like a lot of times, as you read the story, it will tell you how to think about it. But then other times, when the story unfolds. God himself tells you immediately how he feels about it. Yeah. The and thing the, David did displeased the Lord. 
mm-hmm. you know, is the way this uh, the way this ends. And of course, you know, look at how the you know the sin is you know, compounded. The first is just to cover up. I'll invite her husband home. You'll sleep with her, and he'll never know that's my kid, mm-hmm. uh, which is horrible in itself. And then when he didn't sleep with his wife, you know, I'll get him drunk. Uh, and then, uh, and then, my goodness, he he puts the kill order in Uriah's hands mm-hmm. and seals it. Yeah. How much is Uriah trusting, you know, in David in this moment when he takes the order uh, unsealed and hands his own death note, you know, to Joab? Mm-hmm. Not only that, you know, Joab is you know complicit in this, and of course he is a, a man who's. And does not show a whole lot of godliness and his willingness, you know, to do whatever. Uh, at that, but it's not just the murder of Uriah. There were other men murdered to cover uh, the murder mm-hmm. of, of Uriah. And, and so this is an incredible uh, abuse of power from someone who's supposed to be a, a shepherd mm-hmm. of God's people, and he's using people. Uh, you know, for his own fulfillment, for his own cover-up, and this is just as ugly a scene as you can find in, in, in anywhere um, it's a in good, modern or ancient times. It's a good reminder. It's actually it's something I was talking to Joe, our daughter, about on our way in, was that um, that David is called the man after God's own heart, and he was a good king, um, and yet he made big, big mistakes, and he wasn't good enough the only one who was is jesus and so um you know it's it's a good conversation starter with our children and it's a good reminder to us that david is not the hero here even though he does things that the lord is pleased with um but that he sins and he still has things that he needs to repent of and our hero here is jesus and and things will never be the same for david Uh, we've reached the zenith of his reign and, and and we've reached the high points and, and God's covenant is not broken. He still fulfills, yeah. you know, the covenant you know that we read in in, in, in Second Samuel seven. Uh, but we are reminded, you know, of what Paul says in the, in the New Testament. You know, do not be see, be deceived. God is not man, you know, mocked. Every one of us will end up, you know, reaping what we've sown. And if we sow, you know, to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap life. But if we sow to please the flesh, and that's certainly what David has done, and you'll reap death. And this will destroy his family, destroy the nation, and and, and and put just a huge black mark on the end of you know, on the end of uh, the end of David's reign. Will never be you know the same again, even though he repents and is restored. And you see God's grace and a warning you know, to, to all of us when we let our uh, all of us have this in us uh, when we let our guard down and uh, when we take you know rest for granted. And become yeah. self-indulgent. We're, we're not far from the major faults in our own life. Yeah. It's also a reminder to us that our sin will be found out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we haven't. We'll get there to the c- confrontation, but right now it seems like David might be getting away with it. So, Father, what a grievous passage we read, and, and we see the ugliness of sin, and we're absolutely appalled. Uh, and yet, we know that every one of us have this in us. That we do have a, a heart of self-indulgence. That rather than loving our neighbor as ourselves, we, we we tend to use our neighbor for our own our own ends and our own means. And, and Father, we are far from uh, your heart, receiving grace and comfort from you, and being uh, channels of grace and comfort to those around us. 
So, Father, we, we, we too confess our sin. Uh, and, Father, we, beyond that, we, we pray just what you taught us to pray, that you would lead us not into temptation or not let us slide into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.